Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. How you doing, church? You're looking good today. So nice to see each and every one of you in God's house. I love it when we get together and worship, share the word, pray for one another. Just a great time in God's house. Well, here we are, the second week of January. Yeah. Who used to, who used to call it that? One of the, no, there was, there was, there's some little kid in our family. They called it January. I always used to get a kick out of that. And so I thought it appropriate. The title of my message this morning is, Starting with a clean slate. And that's the, that Mike did not know that I was using this analogy, but how many are old enough to remember cleaning the chalkboard in school? Huh? A lot of us, huh? In the, when I was in the fifth grade, I had this teacher in, in Pacifica, California. I just thought she was so cute, thought she was so adorable. She was in her, she was only in her 20s, you know, and here I am, a fifth grader. And uh, so I volunteered to stay in and clean the chalkboard every, every chance I got because I, be, I wanted to be around Mrs. Shrutt, you know. I just wanted to be there. But every once in a while in life, you have to clean the slate. You, you remember when the teacher would have you do it, th- there would always be... She might have, have grabbed an eraser and, and knocked stuff off of there real quick, but there seemed like there was always residue. And if you didn't take that big, giant whatever that thing was, and drag it down the board every once in a while, it didn't go away. And you didn't get a clean slate. You didn't get a, a fresh start with all of that. So that's my analogy right there, starting with a clean slate. How appropriate. Here we are in the second week of January. It's a new year. Are you enjoying uh, January uh, 20, 2021 so far? Are we haven't any fun yet? Huh? Yeah. I saw a thing on Facebook the other day. It said, Dear 2021, I've had my seven-day trial. I, I want out. I don't want any more. Thanks. It kind of happens that way sometimes, doesn't it? We all know people who have experienced some sort of tragic failure in their lives. This is where I'm going with this today. And let me share from my own life. As some of you might know, and I've shared a little bit about my family, my past, but my dad was my pastor up until the time I was 30 years old. And not only was he my pastor, but he was my mentor. He was my friend. He put me into the ministry. He helped me get there. Um, And we, you know, we even vacationed together as families and all of that stuff. He put me into the ministry, uh, into full-time ministry, and I appreciated that. But in 1988, our family walked through uh, what what I would call an earth-shattering situation, and in 1988, he was removed from ministry in a very public fashion. And when I say public, it was kind of that Jimmy Swaggart thing that you saw on the TV back in those days. 
Um, and it was public in the fashion that the Channel 2 news truck was sitting out in front of the church that day with a reporter with a microphone waiting for people to come out of the building so that she could get their responses. It was kind of an ugly situation. Very public. A couple years later, my folks went through a very tragic divorce, and that brought the whole thing to a screeching halt. Christmas at the Patterson house was just not quite what it had been. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same warm, fuzzy deal. I think I've shared with you, for the first five years after that whole thing went down, um, my dad and I never spoke. We just, we did not have a relationship. It got kind of ugly. So this whole series of events that we walked through as a family put my world into a tailspin. I was a mess, and I really had a hard time getting over it. It felt like my heart literally had been ripped out of my chest as far as the love for my father, my love for my mom and dad, the love for my family. It was a mess. And we all know somebody in our, in our circle of influence that's been through maybe a similar crisis. Maybe you've got friends or family, and their lives have been destroyed uh, by alcohol, abuse of alcohol, or abuse of drugs, and maybe they were an addict, or there's some other vice. Or perhaps maybe it's even you that's walked through that type of tragedy. And I want to help you today. That's why it's only fitting that we talk about starting out the new year with a clean slate. We really need to make a conscious effort to get rid of the junk, the baggage that hangs on us uh, at times. Psalms 103, 11 and 12 says this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. There's a promise you can stand on, amen? It's like God took all of our sins and bundled them all up and put them in a big bag, drove them over, to, over across the bridge to the airport, and flown them to the uttermost parts of the earth, the most remote, remote place on earth. That's where he got rid of our sins, okay? That's what he's done for us. So I want to share a few things today what I have personally learned about our guilt in all of that and God's grace in all of that. Number one, broken lives are universal. Broken lives are universal. Let me share a story with you. You know how I like these little stories. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle decided to play a practical joke on 12 of his closest friends. He sent them each a telegram that said, Flee at once, all has been discovered. Within 24 hours, all 12 of them had left the country. Yeah. Isn't that just craziness? That was a practical joke on his part. What he didn't know is they had a little bit of something in their life or in their past that was devastating. And instead of stay and face it, they just ran. Okay? So we tend to think that lives that have been devastated by sin are the exception and not the rule, which is kind of unusual. We think it's unusual when a life implodes from what I call sin on the rampage. And it does happen. But the Bible, if you read the Word of God, is chock full of people, page after page, chapter after chapter, of people whose lives were basically destroyed by self-inflicted sin. I would say, as I read the Bible, that was the rule, not the exception. It just, it happened, and God used those things uh, to speak to his people through those examples. One writer said, we're not just jars of clay, as the Apostle Paul has said. We're actually cracked pots. <laughs> huh? How many of you know that's true? 
We're not just jars of clay. We're actually cracked pots. Yeah, and our need for God's grace, as I said, is universal. It, 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 it spans all of mankind. Romans 3.23 is a stark reminder. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some translations just say sin. That means it's kind of an ongoing thing, don't you think? We have, man was born and birthed with a sinful nature. We saw that in the way of Adam and Eve in the garden, and it's continued down through history. Some of our Bible heroes, think about these guys. Remember the series we did? What's it been, about 18 months ago? We talked about our Bible heroes. Well, I went back and I revisited a few of them. Moses, he was 40 years old, and he was a murderer. For 40 years, he had lived with the consequences of one moment of heated passion and stupidity. Okay? He went from this position of privilege in the kingdom to being a fugitive. Think about David. There was never a greater king in Israel, the Bible says. But one day, David's out on the rooftop. He's people watching. Okay? And he ends up committing adultery and murder all in the same household. Now, this is ironic because David was called a man after God's own heart. The Bible declares that. And yet he commits the age-old sin of adultery, and his reign is never quite the same as it's never quite what it used to be. How about Jonah? Jonah was this scrappy little prophet who was supposed to bring the word of the Lord to these people in a town called Nineveh. And he basically thumbs his nose at God and says, ain't no way I'm going to Nineveh. He ends up down in the ocean in the belly of a whale because he makes a dramatic choice to disobey God. I don't know about you, but when God tells me to do something, I want to know that I've got the wherewithal and the, and the smarts and a willing heart to just do it and not fight God on the issue. Otherwise... I'm not really up for taking a beating. I don't know about you, but I just, you know. And when I think about these guys, just a handful that I've mentioned, I used to think these guys were very admirable, that they had superhuman qualities, they were out of the ordinary, and, and I'm sure that they did in some way, or God wouldn't have chose them. But let me tell you what a, a few years later now that I'm 62 years old, what I think of these Bible heroes now is I think that they were more of a trophy of God's grace. They were an example of God's grace. I've seen that in my dad's life. He never went back into ministry. He did some other things. He's 83 years old now. He's retired. But when you get around him, he's got a sweet spirit around about him. He loves God. He loves to pray. He loves to be in the Word. loves to worship. And so God has restored unto him the joy of his salvation. That's awesome. So these guys were good guys, but they had faults, they had downfalls, but most of all, they were a trophy of God's grace. And here's the good news. God never writes us off. Amen? How many of you know that God never writes us off? If you've ever experienced crashing your car, I've been in a couple car wrecks in my lifetime, and they weren't fun, they weren't pretty. Uh, But if you've ever experienced crashing your car, and then you have to deal with the insurance company, And the insurance company comes along and says, well, your car is worth this much. And your damage is worth this much. And if the damage is more than the value of the car, what do they do? They write it off. They total it. And typically they take it out of the junkyard and they 
crush it up. You've seen those trucks going down the road with the little blocks of cars with the big net over it? Yeah, that's what they do. They just crunch it into a little square of junk metal, and that's, that's the end of that. Thank God that he doesn't write us off when he looks at the damage that we've done to our lives. Amen? He doesn't just put us in the crusher. He may give us a spanking, but he doesn't put us in the crusher. He doesn't write us off. Here's why. Romans 5 and 20, the second part of that says, But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Now that could literally be translated like this. Where sin abounded, grace superabounded. Grace outdid the sin by a scale of by a huge margin to the 10th power kind of thing. God's grace is greater than our sin, no matter how extreme or serious we think the sin is. Some of us have this picture of God sitting up in heaven like an Olympic judge. God doesn't sit up there with a scorecard and say, oop, yeah, your sin was a 10, or your sin was an 8, or maybe it was only a 4. God just calls sin, sin, any way you cut it. Um, he, we're, the, we're the human beings that put our human mind to all of that, and we say, well, wow, your sin's a whole lot worse than her sin was, and blah, 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 blah. And we come up with these formulas in our mind. I, I don't know where they come from, but it's just kind of a human characteristic. But God's grace is greater than anything, and nothing surprises God. You understand that today. Nothing surprises God. One characteristic of all these guys in the Bible, everybody that served God, failed God, they had one characteristic to be powerfully used by God, and that was repentance, not sinlessness. It, the, Jesus is, the Bible says Jesus is the only one that lived a life without sin. So repentance is what brought them to a place of right relationship with God, brought them to a place of success in their own lives, so to speak, when it comes to God, because they were repented, or because they repented, they were given a second chance and a clean slate. The fact that you've mucked up your life a little bit can become long forgotten history today. Aren't you glad for that? Did I forget to bring my water bottle, Mother? It's a little warm. I'm a little dry. If you've ever stood up here and looked back at the, the room, those heater vents that are buried in the bottom of the balcony face right there, they hit you right in the throat. And uh, makes it a little tough to bring that, breathe that hot air. Isn't it right, Randy? Mm. So a little chug of the cold water might help me get through this. I was saying that if you've mucked up your life today, that can become long-forgotten history. Isaiah 43, this is kind of my text today. 43, 18, and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. How many of you ever felt like life can be a little bit like a wilderness, a little bit like a wasteland, a little dry, a little rough around the edges? Well, that's your verse right there, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. If we commit sin on a daily basis, listen to me now, if we commit sin on a daily basis, which Romans 3.23, I just read, and we've already established, it's going to happen. We all fall short of God's best for us. 
And whether it's in our mind a big sin, a little sin, or a medium sin, we all sin. I fir- I'm a firm believer if, we're gonna, if we commit sin because of our human nature, then we must repent from our sin on a daily basis. Remember when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray? They said, teach us, Lord, how to pray. Well, he said in Matthew 6, 12, he said, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I don't know that he was talking about money. But some versions use the word trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're going to commit sin. Other people are going to commit sin against us. And we can't hold on to it. We have to forgive. We have to repent on a daily basis. Maybe you believe that your sin is so great that God could never use you again. Think again. Listen to the words of King David in Psalms. Psalms chapter 51. He bears his soul before God. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. I think what David was saying there is, I have to get up and look at this mug in the mirror every day, and I know what kind of guy that guy is. I know that he is, by nature, he's a sinner. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Now, jumping down to verse 10, he gets real. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. So he's saying, look, God, if you'll just forgive my sin one more time, if you'll cleanse me from all this garbage that I've accumulated in my life, restore to me the joy. How many of you remember being a new convert? Now, I was only five years old when I got saved. I, I remember uh, a few of the emotions that went along with that. Even as a kid, I understood. And I hadn't gone out and robbed any banks at five. And I hadn't gone out and lived, you know, been a gang member or anything like that. But some, all of us have a different testimony. But, and we all have a recollection of the day that we gave our heart to the Lord. And what I remember my little cousin came to live with us. She's deceased and gone to heaven now, but she came to live with us. She was a few years older than me. And uh, we went to a church service one morning. I don't remember where it was at. She went forward and gave her heart to God. And I think she was around 12 or 13 years old. And she had lived a very rough, rough life. Came out of a home of an alcoholic and an abusive situation. And she ran over to my dad and threw her arms around him. And she said, Uncle Jimmy, I gave my heart to Jesus. He says, well, how do you feel, Tricia? She said, I feel like you took a wash rag and he scrubbed me all inside. Cleaned me all up inside. And I'm all clean again. Wow. What a testimony. That's what God has done for all of us. He cleaned us up inside. He scrubbed away the garbage. He took the eraser and he cleaned the chalkboard in our lives. Amen? Amen. Then we will have the opportunity to teach transgressors your ways, O Lord. 
and sinners will turn back to you. Wow. Number two today. It could happen to you, and it could happen to me. Remember what happened to Peter? The story of Peter in chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 33. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will, Lord. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. <laughs> Jesus knew the score way ahead of time. Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. And my point of that whole story is this. Satan attacks us when we feel like we're invulnerable. When we feel all tough and buff and all of that good stuff. Beware of the words, it could never happen to me. Don't be caught off guard is what I want to tell you today. Don't be caught off guard. Let me share another story with you. Author Gordon MacDonald tells the story of a young German pilot who rented a small single-engine airplane from the country of Denmark and flew into the most guarded airspace in the world. He entered into what was then the Soviet Union, and he buzzed the Kremlin and landed in Red Square. A world-renowned city's most powerful defenses were thwarted. Part of the reason was because those on duty that day only saw a little blip on the radar. They were perhaps relaxed and had a false sense of security. And all of a sudden, something that began as a harmless prank became a matter of world-shaking. How many of you remember world-shaking significance? How many of you remember, I don't know how many years ago this happened, but turned on the news and this young pilot had flown right into Red Square and landed that airplane. And these poor guys were flipping out. I'm sure somebody got shot over that one. Yeah, somebody faced the firing squad over that one somewhere along the way. So my point is, never say never. When we're overconfident in our own strength, that's when we are vulnerable to Satan's attack. That's when he comes along and trips us up or slaps us upside the head with something. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful that you don't fall. Another little story here. A quote from Oswald Chambers. He's a great author. He said, The Bible characters never fell on their weak points, but fell on their strong points. Unguarded strength is a double weakness. Let me say that again. Unguarded strength is a double weakness. Number three today. The church is the community of the forgiven. Aren't you glad for that? We can call believers a lot of different things and categories, including saints. But what I want us to focus on today is that believers are the forgiven. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9 do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that, verse 11, is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, 
You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Aren't you glad for that? The church isn't a collection of people who have it all together. Um, You know, I've been raised in church all my life and uh, seen lots of folks come and go. Most of them didn't have it together. Most of them were searching for something better and uh, far beyond themselves. So we're a collection of sinners who have been rescued and saved by God's grace. Sign outside of our building should say something like, Sinners, welcome here. Here's a novel idea. I believe we should be a hospital for the sin sick and not a country club for saints. Amen? And I believe this church embraces that theology that we are a place of help and healing for those who need Jesus Christ to make a change in their lives. Amen? There was a local newspaper that ran, uh, once ran a classified ad, and it said, Son, I know you are in the city. Please call your father collect. I love you, son. That was an offering of grace that dad had extended to a son who had strayed from the relationship. It didn't matter to the father what the details were. He just wanted his son back. Amen? That's what I call unconditional love. And that's what Father God offers to us, is unconditional love. doesn't matter how many times or how many ways you've offended your Heavenly Father. But that's the kind of grace that should be characterized in the church house. Amen? In the body of Christ. is just say, you know what? Here we are. Open arms. Sinners welcome. And we will minister to you in whatever need and whatever capacity that is needed in your life in whatever way we can. Amen? I'm going to ask the musicians to make their way back to the stage because we're going to close with a live song here in a moment. <coughs> There's a church in Toronto, Canada that put out a sign like this on their front lawn saying this, Welcome back to your church home. No questions asked. And they've had hundreds of phone calls from people, some of them gushing in tears, asking, Do you really mean that? Do you really mean that? Welcome back to your church home. No questions asked. What if our churches were really to put out the welcome mat? What if we, what if what, we should, amen, we really should, because people need to know, in this little community that's right around this, I look at these little neighborhoods as I, when I drive down to Andreessen and go home, I think, Lord, somehow we've got to put out the welcome mat to these folks around here to let them know that, first of all, we love Jesus we believe he can change their lives, and we love them unconditionally. Yes. Sinners, welcome here. We really don't want to build a church on a foundation of people who are just hopping from one church to the next. The Bible talks about them uh, heaping unto themselves teachers having itching ears. That's what they do. They just hop here and hop there, and they're never really rooted. They're not, never really grounded. It doesn't make any sense. We will, as people's church, welcome sinners and preach repentance. That's the only way to get them into the kingdom. Amen? And we'll let them know that we are nothing more than sinners saved by grace. What a great way to start 2021. Amen? Doesn't matter what's going on at the White House or anything else. Let's just focus on what's going on at our house. Amen? We can start with a clean slate knowing... That God's grace is greater than all our sin. Doesn't matter what you've amassed or what you've saved up in the sin category. 
I want to encourage you today, wherever you're at in your life, wherever you're at in your walk, have the smarts and the humility to ask God to forgive you for anything and everything that would stand in the way of your, his relation, your relationship with him. Let me close this by reading uh, a Facebook post that I saw this week that I thought was so appropriate. Hello and welcome to Flight 2021. We are prepared to take off into the new year. Please make sure your attitude and blessings are secured and locked in the upright position. All self-destructive devices should be turned off at this time. All negativity, hurt, and discouragement should be put away. Should we lose altitude under pressure during the flight, reach up and pull down a prayer. Prayers will automatically be activated by faith. Once our, your faith is activated, you can assist other passengers. There will be no baggage allowed on this flight. The captain, Father God, has cleared us for takeoff. Our destination, greatness. Can you say amen to that today? Amen. I know 2021's looked a little rough this last week or so, but hey, God's got better things in store. Amen? Father God, we are thankful for your love, your grace, and your commitment to us in our lives. So once again, Lord, as we start out in a new year, a new calendar year, the calendar is clear, the slate is clean. We just ask God that you'd help us to, first of all, forgive ourselves, and then to ask for forgiveness from you. Lord, you are great, you are mighty, you are awesome, and we love you with all of our hearts today. Thank you for this group of people, Lord. I pray your hand of blessing on them. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. Keep them blessed, I pray. Let your provision be seen in their lives. In Jesus' name we ask. Everybody said amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Have a great, great week. We'll see you back here on Sunday.